everybody, and welcome to the Third and East podcast. My name is Patrick Dewan with Swell Moyle. We welcome you, those on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Music. How are you doing today, Sloan? I'm doing good. How are you? I am doing pretty well here, despite battling a cold here and just having a crazy last few days here and everything. But uh, it's been uh, pretty good. How was the weekend for you? Oh, it's been great. It's been great. Been able to catch up on some stuff around the house, work on a couple other projects, and uh, yeah, just try to be as productive as possible. Absolutely, that's 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 what happens when we get when we get both of us dead old or anything. We talk about freaking yard work and all of this other crap. So it's important. Uh, it is important. It is important. There's actual shit that actually has to be done. That's yeah. done everything. But we do welcome everyone uh, to the podcast. We do appreciate you for joining us. But we are going to kick off Sloan and everything uh, by uh, talking uh, about the game, all six games uh, real quick uh, last weekend. Everything um, kind of uh, the stuff is talked about. Let's get right into it um, with the first game that happened on the weekend um, with the uh, Seattle Seahawks going into San Francisco. Um and the sea, uh, it looked like that San Francisco was going to pull away early, jumping out to that 10 up in the lead. And the Seattle Seahawks uh, really played a great uh, second quarter. Um, they even went, they, uh, went, they went into the locker room at halftime with a uh, 17 16 lead. Uh, but then San Francisco just completely uh, blew them out in the uh, second half. And it really wasn't much of a game. Yeah, it was. Um, the Seahawks were smart about going for. Their secondary, which you and I have talked about, is their defense's main weakness. Yeah. But once they kind of settled in, realized the routes they were trying to run, uh, of course they couldn't run against the 49ers all that well in the second half. The game was over. Just a bad oh, matchup. Yeah, it's a very tough matchup for uh, for that Seattle team and everything. Uh, San Francisco getting over. Um, 500 yards of total offense. Mm-hmm. I know Seattle has their issues on defense and everything. Um, to me, this was that a complete really... sweep of them? I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I just realized was that a complete yes. sweep? Three games. Jesus. Yeah, that's that is tough to do in the division. But yep, that was a three game sweep of them and everything. Um, with San San Francisco is just an going on an app. I mean, they are going on a run here, folks, and everything. I think they're going to be, uh, in my opinion, they're going to be the toughest team to beat. Um, they have a, they have had their last loss was against the Chiefs uh, back a few, you know, almost in October and everything. But I mean, they just keep rattling off win after win. Yeah, so they beat Seattle at Seattle twenty one twenty uh thirteen in our last meet, and then they beat them twenty seven seven. Um, in uh in San Francisco in week two and everything. So yep, the 49ers do sweep them. Brock Purdy, uh, to me, he looked he was definitely rattled early, but man, that uh he he played he played he started playing really well. Uh, eighteen and thirty, three hundred thirty two yards, mm-hmm. three touchdowns, no, uh, pitch. Christian McCaffrey was just all world as always. Fifteen carries, one hundred nineteen. Uh, on the ground, he did get 17 yards of receiving yards and a receiving touchdown. Um, Debo Samuel coming back and having a, having an impact with 30 uh, with 165 all-purpose yards and a touchdown. It, great game for the 49ers all around. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, oh my god, that was an insane game. And Brock Purdy, if I tell you what, Patrick, if he was drafted fifth overall. He would be in the talks for a rookie of the year award. He really would. Oh, 
spot question. If you play the whole season, I think I, I don't think there's uh, much debate but, really. Right, and it. and uh, is he? He's the only rookie quarterback in this year's. He, he's the only rookie quarterback in this year's playoff, but he's got to be yep. definitely the youngest all year. That's incredible. Yeah, he's he's definitely done a great job and everything. For the Seattle Seahawks, you know they did, you know, um, DJ Metcalf had a really nice game uh, mm-hmm. with two really long touchdowns, ten interceptions, one hundred thirty-six yards with two touchdowns, uh, including one on a fifty-yarder. Geno Smith was good. He wasn't, uh, you know, for it, for he is what it is, he is. Of course, twenty-five or thirty-five, two fifty-three, two touchdowns in a pick. It's gonna be interesting to see if Seattle does give him that extension. Of course. I, th- I think it would be wise to – there's no guys to me in the draft this year that should start in that situation, you know, year one. Offensive line is definitely much better. They're obviously improving on that. They still don't have a lot outside of Metcalf at receiver. But – and honestly, they're going to be in a pretty tough division next year with a pretty tough schedule. I think it would be a little unwise to throw a rookie in early next year or next year at all. I, I think you give him the extension. He won't cost much. No, I don't think he, I, I don't think he will cost much. And if he wants more, just let him, <laughs> just let him walk at that point. In but, you know, to me, it was a good – for a season, you know, we got to give the Seattle Seahawks a lot of credit because I don't think they got much credit at all this offseason. People predicted them to be the worst team in the league and to um, completely shatter expectations to go 9-6 and 9-8 and, and make the playoffs. Uh, they did great, but see ya. Yeah, hats off to him still. I mean, still an incredible season. Much uh, better than the last couple of years that I've seen them play. Absolutely. So then we get to the next um, game. Uh, let's get to the, uh, the, the craziest game. of the, I think it's definitely the craziest game of the weekend, uh, which of, uh, last weekend, which of course was the Chargers and the, the – uh, and the ja- and the Jaguars, and this was really uh, quite a tale of two halves. The Chargers just completely outplayed um, the um, Jacksonville Jaguars for re- uh, really the entire um, four two four two quarters. They jumped out to the twenty seven nothing lead. They gave out the touchdown. Trevor Warren throwing four picks, including I believe three to Asante Samuel Jr., which is just an incredible um, performance by him and everything there. Uh, Lawrence looked like I, I, I thought at one point I'm like, oh, they're gonna bench Lawrence. He's been that terrible and everything. And the Jaguars just kept doing what they've done all year, and that is just keep grinding it out. Who would have thought that this team? Um, we we knew that they were dangerous, but I did not expect them to come back from uh, 27 nothing down to a, you know a fairly talented Charger squad and everything. Um, and then obviously they uh, there's a couple of big plays that happened. Um, you had um, the Chargers just not being able they they really beat themselves in this game. Then you also had um, you know obviously the big fourth down play at the end of the game to really seal the deal and the two point diversion. So I mean it the um, that's why the Jacksonville Jaguars right now are uh, moving on. Uh, why the Chargers are going to Charger? Yeah. <laughs> Staley's going to Staley. Um, yeah, this was probably the first playoff game ever in which a quarterback with five total turnovers won the game. <laughs> but, yeah, it, incredible. Just sloppy second half by the Chargers. I mean, just stupid mistakes, stupid calls. The, I mean, 
Yeah, this is embarrassing. Joey, Bo- Joey Bosa couldn't control his temper. Um, really, really, they hurt them. It didn't cost them a game, but it definitely hurt them. I mean, it was just a, it was just dumb penalty after dumb penalty. Um, dumb, incredibly dumb play calling. I mean, you told me how many times uh, the Chargers ran the ball in that second half. I mean, they deserve to lose. Um, it's the it's the same old Janet, which what Shanahan did with the Falcons in the Super Bowl, except uh, the the team is wearing uh powder blue, yellow, and white. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty and, much. And, and, and I think I think some of the blame has to go on Justin Herbert in a way. I don't think he's staying a lot of the flack, but he did not play a very good for uh, second half in that game at all. No, missed a lot of throws, made a lot of uh, bad decisions. Uh, it, it goes it goes on a few people, offensive coordinator of course Staley of course uh, Bosa that did that penalty did extend the drive, um, and yeah I, I would have to throw Justin Herbert in there he didn't have a good second half and he had a terrible fourth quarter. Yep, and it's a, and it's the you know despite the Jacksonville Jaguars, Dane blowing out twenty seven and nothing, Travis Etienne still had one hundred and nine yards rushing. Which is wow. unbelievable. It's unheard. Yeah, that's unheard of and everything. Um, tell you, there's the free, there's a free headed receiving attack going on in Jacksonville, and that's not even in ECN only had twelve uh, catches. Look at Evan. You know, it's been Christian Kirk who's been fairly solid all year. You have Zay Jones who's starting to come into his uh, into his own, and Evan Ingram, the uh, lost Giants prospect. Um, he's actually found himself a footing there in Jacksonville. So there's, you know, we've talked about before, this team is dangerous. Yes, yes. Um, they don't panic. They stick to their game plan because, like I said, ETN had 109 rushing yards. They still ran the ball in a big comeback. I think Trevor Lawrence has shown that he can. he's not going to panic in these big situations. I mean, that, that, that was that, a lot of swagger from that game. And give Doug Peterson all the credit in the world for rallying up his troops and everything. People think, oh, this, you know, he's just inheriting some talent and everything. Uh, I think this thing uh, really goes to show, you know, shows you how much adjustments Doug Peterson and that coaching staff and his players made versus the Chargers. Um, the Chargers uh, did already make a coaching uh, move. They did fire their offensive coordinator, uh, Joe Labardi, uh, the other, uh, I think yesterday yep. or today here in Arkansas, that coming. stuff, uh, which, you know, we saw it coming. I am still shocked, uh, that they still have yet to fire, uh, Brandon Staley, which is just, you know, I think everyone's asked, it's just why he's already cost you plenty of games. He could have cost you a lot of games. They, you know, the Falcon game, the Brown game this year and everything all got saved by their own team from their head coach yes. who loves to pull victory from who loves to pull um, defeats from the jaws of victory. Yeah. I mean, this is when people say, you know, coaching doesn't really matter all that much. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Even at this highest level, these, these guys, have been, the ones that are there now are offensive minded, young ish, and they're smart. I mean, it's, and they're not so much analytical. He wants to be completely analytical, and I, I, I don't think it's working. I really don't. No, I don't think it's working either and everything. And remember, he's a defensive guy, and that Chargers defense hasn't exactly been very good defensively. No, he's made questionable play calls. He's, um, he's kind of wasting 
you know, he's he's wasting a top ten quarterback, top five quarterback, and whenever things are going well for him. And he's not going to be on that rookie deal forever. He's going to warrant a big payday. I would think they would want to get somebody who in that short window can, you know, get them to that next level. Because he's – correct me if I'm wrong, though. He's still on his first rookie contract, right? Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, I think he has one more year left of that and everything. But, yeah, I mean, that window – their talent window is starting to be closing. So, you know, they're going to have to extend him because he's, you know, he's definitely a proven commodity. But, you know, it's, it's just – the Chargers are just one of these franchises that just loves to disappoint at this time of the year. Yes, which is they crazy because when Phil, when Phil Rivers was the quarterback, yeah, there were disappointments. There was a lot more talent when they were there and everything. But when that team was under the radar, they beat everyone. Yes. To make you know, just to even make the playoffs, they would meet. They never had They never really had collapses until the playoffs. But when they were underdogs in the playoffs or in December. They were the they were the most dangerous team to beat. Yes, and it just seems like they it seems like all that that swagger from those teams is completely gone. Um, this is a team that just needs to, you know, in my opinion, the Chargers cannot be taken seriously until you know. I know they've been the Chiefs in a big game, but they need to start being some of these better teams in really important games. Yes, and they, they haven't done that. So, I want I want to tell what the Chargers. It's gonna be interesting what the Chargers do uh, from a personnel standpoint um, in, the, in the upcoming uh, days here and everything. They won't we fire move, Staley. <laughs> I don't think they're gonna fire Staley. I think he's gonna get one more shot. Which is, you know, it's damn Spano, as <laughs> your name tree says. Fuck you, Spanos. <laughs> we move on to. What would what looked like a lopsided game on paper with the third string Styler Thompson and the Miami Dolphins going into Buffalo to take on the Buffalo Bills, who are he- who were extremely heavily favored in this game and everything. I mean, they were. I mean, they wound up being a thirteen and a half point favorite. Bills again looked like they were the better team uh, for almost the entire um, for the majority of the game here and everything. They got out to a fourteen up lead. And then in the first, and then in, all of a sudden in the uh, second quarter, the uh, Miami Dolphins um, just all of a sudden came back and they caught, and they uh, tied the game. And the Bills made mistakes, and then all of a sudden their defense was in trouble. They actually got behind in the third quarter of this game until, of course, Josh Allen comes to the rescue. But this game was a lot closer than the scoreboard thinks. It actually came down to the final drive. Yeah, it really did. It really did. Oh, jeez. Sorry, I kind of dropped that. Again, uh, it's it's really hard to play a team three times in one year. Uh, the Dolphins have also given them trouble due to their scheme all year. And I just couldn't see Miami beating them again. I really couldn't. But hats off to – what's his name? Thompson. Sean Thompson. What's his – I don't Tyler know. Thompson. Yeah, he, oh yeah. He 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 played he played a fairly he played a fairly solid game for him. He really did. I mean, he went he went for, I mean, he was 18 and 45, sure. 221 touchdown, two picks. But you have to remember Tyreek Hill was was not 100% in the same. He was battling that injury uh, that he had in week 17. 
Yeah, yeah. It's it was still a big concern for me whenever he's the main offensive scheme is we're gonna find Tyreek downfield for fifty at least once. Because when they don't hit him for big bombs like that, they don't win. I will say this. I think I think the I think this game with two is the quarterback. I uh, and I am not gonna hide that. Um uh, to me I'm very dis um Screens Buffalo, um, they had twenty five first downs compared to the Dolphins sixteen. They had four hundred seventy. They had four hundred twenty three total yards to Miami's two hundred thirty one. Two hundred thirty ones. The T in this game was the turnovers. Sure, it was only a plus one differential, but remember there was a pitch. There was a uh, there was a defensive touchdown for Miami, um, and the Buffalo Bills still turned the ball over three times. And you cannot do. And you cannot do that um, if you expect to. You know make a statement here or anything and this game was a lot closer than people think uh that it's a lot closer uh than everyone thought uh was going to be i mean it came down to really the final two um final five minutes of this game which is definitely uh what the bills did not want to do here and to me there's a little bit there's questions about the bills now yeah it's like you know you still gave up so it's if he hit over 200 yards like that on 18 completions there must have been a couple of pretty good dots in there, at, at least two or three. So if you're letting a third-string quarterback do that to you at home in a playoff game whenever you're a 13-point favorite, and then honestly, even outside, without the quarterback in consideration, your entire roster outdoes them by quite a bit. You know what I mean? You won the division for a reason. And they took you to the ropes. Yeah, and that's not – World in Miami, I know, no. but which, but that that's been a bender. That's been a bend, break, or a bend, don't break defense all year and everything. But I mean that they have gone to show that they give the Bills fits. That defense has given the Bills fits the entire year. Um, you know, Josh Allen. Uh, people are gonna look at his numbers and they're gonna say, "Oh wow," because he went, you know, two thirty nine, thirty nine, uh, for three fifty two, three hits. Um. But you know, it's it's the inter, it's I'm telling you, it's the interceptions. He fumbled the Josh Allen fumbled the ball three times in this game, and he he did lose the one. Of course, that went for a pick, I mean for a touchdown and everything. But I mean, there's a lot of there's to me there you know that was the biggest knock on Josh Allen coming out was what his accuracy, uh, which hasn't been that accurate in the last few weeks. Um, and then of course he's taking care of the football now. Yeah, not trying to play as much hero ball. Uh, still kind of getting bailed out with his athleticism. And, yeah, big moment. You know, you think he would be a little bit more careful, but, yeah, not that accurate and kind of a turnover machine. Didn't play his best game up until probably the final drive whenever he had that big touchdown. Um, yeah, not expected out of him for this game. But it is starting to seem like his accuracy is a problem, especially in these playoff games. Outside of that Patriots game, he's kind of had some struggles. So that's definitely something I would be concerned about. No, definitely, no, definitely without question or anything. And I, I, I do, I, I also do agree that the, um, I'm telling you, you know, you know who comes to play during playoff time? My Dan and Dan. Joe Dave, Burrow. Dave, oh, sorry. Gabe Davis. Yes. Trying to perform again. 
And watch out if he <laughs> because remember last year Dave Davis in the playoffs he went off in both those games. So here he comes, and the Bills are a better team when I uh, when he gets more involved in the offense. So something to look out for, of course. Uh, obviously a more difficult matchup. Uh, what uh, when we discuss here and everything, we go to the fourth game of the weekend, uh, which was on Fox, of course, uh, in the battle of the one score. Lovebirds here with the Giants and the Vikings uh, in a battle between who can win a one-store game more than the other. The Vikings, of course, were undefeated in one-store games uh, until this past Sunday uh, where they decided to lose a one-store game at the worst time, falling to the Giants 21-24. to A game to me that was going – it was a very back-and-forth game. It was a pretty even game. I did think the Giants did – did eventually get the better of the play, of course, and everything. Uh, the biggest takeaway, um, when you look at the, it was 431 yards for the Giants, 332 uh, for the Vikings. No turnovers in this game, which is something to, uh, the, the key is, the big stat was 28 first downs for the Giants, which yes. is unbelievable, which is, un- and they just got, they, the time of the clock was uh, 33 for the Giants to 26 for Minnesota. They, the Giants keep doing when we when we did our broadcast against the uh, Commanders back a few weeks ago and everything. The Giants won those two drives that just took up off the time of the clock. Look what happened. It kept Minnesota off the field. And um, what's your biggest takeaway for this thing? Because I think the, the Giants, I knew, we knew Minnesota was frauds. Um, yeah. You know they've had they've had a great great season that defense is that defense is not good no not at all not at all it could not step up and make any kind of play against you know the Giants rushing attack or of course Daniel Jones Daniel Jones had a hell of a game oh man I I am I am going on the record yet again I know I've had this conversation with you Daniel Jones is legit he can play he was never given a good situation in his first three years. But watching him this year, watching how he's recovered from, you know, that big losing streak they went on there in the end, and then putting up 300. He led the team in rushing in this game too. Daniel Jones can play, and I think he should get a fifth-year extension. Because oh, I, 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 I think he's going to get a multi-year contract. I, th- I think I he think will too. Because everyone talks about Lamar Jackson not still not getting paid. Daniel Jones has just as many playoff wins now as Lamar Jackson. And he's been through much, much more adversity. And they had the same amount of success. They've gotten the they've had the same amount of success in the playoffs. Yep. Let, let that sink in. It's pretty it's pretty gnarly. Bruce, it seems like for the first like three like two or three quarters in this game and everything swell, the Vikings had absolutely no answer. For, uh, in, especially in the first quarter, they had no answer for Daniel Jones uh, rolling out in the pocket. I mean, whether it was through the air or it was uh, through a QB sneak, he just kept destroying them um, for first for first downs. I mean, he was just unbelievable. Um, Saquon Barkley having the two touchdowns. Uh, he made a couple of key catches in this game. Hodgins had a really nice game receiving wise for him. You see the block by Teddy, the most overpaid receiver in the right, uh in the league in Kenny Dalladay, he got his money's worth on that block and everything. I mean, that this is a Giants team that's going to wear you down. Um, Daniel Jones, I think, impressed. I think everyone got to see 
oh, wow, he's actually pretty good. Um, he just, you know, it was just all about Dane fight. He just needs one more talent there at receiver. And I'd be inter- I'd be very interested to see what he does next year and everything. But this is a Giants team that is good. You know, they're, they're, there's definitely some holes. But when they play their when they play their game, it is tough to beat them. They really do. They like you said, they eat up a lot of clock. They have enough firepower in the backfield to where they can get stuff done. And even with a lack of receivers, Daniel Jones is being super careful. And you're right, they're going to burn the clock. They're going to run the ball when they need to. They're going to wear you down. And honestly. It's only happened a few times in NFL history where the same team is beaten by another team three times in one year, and it's never happened twice in the same season. If I'm the Eagles, I would be a little concerned. Oh yeah, definitely. We 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 stayed a little a twitch. Uh, you know, Kirk Cousins played a really solid game. Um, he was thirty-one to thirty-nine, two seventy-three, two. Sure, that was TJ Hawkinson who tore the Giants up in Week Sixteen earlier this year. 10 receptions, 120 yard yards. Biggest thing for this game was Justin Jefferson. Seven receptions, but just 47 yards. Um, I know I mentioned it to my friend Ben and everything. He was a diehard fighting fan. When Justin Jefferson gets pressed, he is not the same receiver. No. And I am going to call him out on this because he's not. He to me, he can beat him. You can beat him with stills, and you can beat guys with stills and your speed. But he's going to have to learn to be more physical in order to get to that next level. He's the best receiver in the NFL right now, but he's not the most complete receiver. If that makes any sense, right? No, it does. And a lot of it also has to do with a lot of steams and everything. But um, to see Justin Jefferson struggle um, in a few games down the stretch here and everything really did hurt the Vikings. Um, David Cook um, kind of disappeared for a few a lot of these games this year and everything. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some – this Minnesota team did all of it could. You know, everyone's going to bash Kirk Cousins for the fourth down play. You know, in the heat of the moment, it's so tough because everything happens so fast and everything. You know, Kirk Cousins comes up short. You know, I always I, I made a joke that he comes up short right as soon as it hits prime time at seven eight o'clock on Eastern time here. He instantly wiltered, but he's still a decent quarterback. Yeah, you got to remember, winning thirteen. They can say, "Oh, he's not clutch. He's not clutch." He won thirteen. No, I'm sorry. He won twelve one-score games this year. He went. Don't, he, don't he tell went me he's not clutch. He had the most comebacks this year of anyone. Yeah, yeah, that's not easy to do. Regardless of who is out there catching passes, that's not easy to do. No, it's not. Yeah, he. I mean, he. he he's still. He's. He's going to be a solid player. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what his future does hold and everything. Uh, wonder if <laughs> used to be franchise tag cousins here and everything. We move on um, to another divisional round uh, rivalry game with the Bengals and the Ravens. Ravens were Lamarless um, as uh, the uh, Tower Henry um, played, you know, a fairly solid game from 17 and 29, 226, two touchdowns, one pick. He had 54 rushing yards. Um, this was a very ugly game. The Bengals uh, they lose two offensive linemen, which is going to be key for them. Um, and the uh, games going forward, 
uh, Joe Burrow was just two, 23 or 32, 209 and, and one touchdown. They couldn't get anything going on the ground, but the Ravens are very good uh, at stopping the run. Jamar Chase, of course, uh, burns the uh, Ravens yet again with uh, 84 yards and a, and a touchdown. But this was a game that was decided at the goal line, and it was Sam and it was Sam Hubbard, uh, you know, ret- recovering the fumble after Tower Ty- Huntley thought he had a touchdown. He pulled the ball back. The ball got knocked out, and it was stooped and scored by Sam Hubbard, 99 yards for the touchdown. Yeah, that was definitely the biggest play for me in that second half, and kind of got sloppy there at the end. Uh, Ravens fans are saying, if Lamar was here, we would have won. Well, he wasn't there. And, again, doesn't have that much success in the postseason. So there's no guarantee of that. And, once again, Lamar Jackson, whenever the team needed him the most, whenever they, you know, last year towards the end of the year, where was he? Wasn't there. And then this year, going into the playoffs, able to able to move, able to play, but not wanting to risk anything, decides to sit out. So in your two biggest moments where the team needed you, you weren't available. Before that play, the Ravens were a 69% chance to win that game. And then all at the turn of that play, the Bengals went to an 85.8% chance to win. Yeah. Um, to me, you know, it seems like the two biggest uh, AFC favorites really struggled this weekend with the Bills and the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Bengals did not impress me in this game. Um, I was expecting a little bit more out of them. Of course, it's being your rival. It's trying to be. It's it's facing it. You know, the Ra- both these teams split the series, so it wasn't a clean sweep for the Bengals. So this is going to be a tough game, a divisional game in the play. You know, when you face your division rival in the playoffs, it's always difficult. Mm-hmm. I get that. The, you know, especially when you play the same team back to back weeks is also difficult. Yeah, um, so I knew, I knew I knew this was gonna be a little bit of a closer game, but I was expecting more from the Bengals. Um actually if you look at the the Bengals got outplayed in this game. Um the Ravens out gained the Bengals three hundred and sixty four yards to two hundred and thirty four. Yeah, that mighty Bengals offense had two hundred and thirty four total yards. Um, so they did get something done. They need those two offensive linemen back this week to face off against that Bills team. So that's going to be an interesting um, thing to see what happens. But there was only 31 total first downs in the stands. So good game. But the Bengals do survive and move on. Yes, yeah, barely. But I, I, they're still my dark horse in the playoffs. Uh, so, and then we go finally, Sloan, to ESPN's favorite two teams in the entire world, and the Cowboys, of course, and Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And this game was never, it was not even close, as it was a 31 14 drubbing by the Cowboys to the Buccaneers, as uh, Dak Prescott had one hell of a game 25 of 33, 305 yards, and four touchdowns. Brady um, had 350, had still had 300, but yet it was 35 with 66, 351, two touchdowns. The Buccaneers had just 52 rushing yards. Um, they just could not get anything done. This game was over before you know it. Yeah, Brady looks really, really old out there. Tampa Bay had no run game. They had no, didn't seem to have a whole lot of an offensive plan. And yeah, just completely crumbled, completely crumbled. Did just about what I had expected him to do, to be honest with you. I gave them no chance in this game. 
Yeah, I I, I, I just thought because the, I thought their because their offensive line um uh, got back a couple pieces, I thought they would be much more keen. I mean the Dallas defense was faster, was just that much faster. They got to they got to Brady, uh, and they pressured the throws. And Brady, you know, they had that t- you know he had that he put up on he was trying to throw the ball away and just threw a lame duck interception, um that was in the red zone, right? and that changed and that was the game. You know, you had the chance to take all the momentum away, and ever since that pick, the game was over. Yeah. So now, with and now Tom Brady will see what's what's going to happen. Is he going to retire again? Is he going to be uh, a Las Vegas Raider? Is he going to go someplace else? Is he going to be going to the Fox uh, broadcast booth? Well, it's going to be all an interesting play and everything. But with the downfall of Brady, now unfortunately comes the rise of Cowboy fans. Yeah. Yeah, I was ex- that was the one thing I wasn't excited about. I don't think anybody is excited for that, but after a game like that, you got to be very impressed with that squad and everything. Uh, I'm really impressed with Dak Prescott. Um, re- he played, like you said, he played a really good game. Really, uh, probably the best game I've seen him play. Yeah, and, that's a, and I've been calling out the Buccaneers' defense the last few weeks and everything, and I can definitely tell you that that defense has not been the same in the last few years. I mean, compared to the last few years. No, yeah, you're 100% correct. Oh, definitely. I mean, they they were not as fast. Their, their pass defense wasn't as good as anything. Yeah, it, it, now, a really big drop off there. You're right. That's that's been the biggest struggle for them all year. Let me break. Uh, we're gonna take a little bit of a pause here from before we get into our previews. Before we get into our game bits and everything, let's go through some of the coaching um, and personnel. Uh, Byron's that did happen, of course, over the last uh, few. Uh, we are going, you know, obviously, we, uh, me- we I mentioned Joe Lombardi of the um, Joe Lombardi of the chart. Uh, so Monty Usenfort is the new um, hire for the uh, Arizona Cardinals for the um, general manager, manager position, um, who was the director of player personnel for the Titans. That's a questionable move, um, especially uh, with all of the issues that the uh, they have had. Jim Schwartz is now the defensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. That's interesting. It was apparently between him and Brian Flores, and they decided to go with Jim Schwartz, who apparently just had a better interview. Um, yep. Which that's that's going to be interesting because that's a defense that does have some talent. Oh, he's a great defensive coordinator. And I'm wondering, you know, how mad is Brian Flores going to be this time? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, we're, we're, that'll, that'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't think he'll be fine. I think he'll be – I think he's in a good spot in Pittsburgh right now and everything. And then, of course, you have um, – the Titans did hire a general manager and ran uh, Terrapin, who was the uh, head of player personnel for the 49ers. So now he's the general manager for the Tennessee Titans. Pretty good, pretty good move. Said no one ever. Um. 
Yeah, it's, that's going to be a tough spot in Tennessee as they're going to try to rebuild that offense and probably that defense a little bit as well. They really struggled all year this year. And, of course, the uh, Buccaneers fired Brian Lewis, who was a really hot uh, head coach uh, head coach conversation uh, the last two years. Now he's out of the job. Yeah, I didn't think he really deserved that. You know, I think the person who really caused the most problems for the offense this year was – the lack of a run game, which isn't his fault, and nope. Tom Brady, which also isn't his fault. So I was I was surprised that the that the Bucks were so quick to say nope. But I get they don't want to fire Todd Bowles, even though he hasn't done a good job. You can't blame Tom Brady, even though he hasn't done a good job. But the guy that's gotten you so much success and has gotten a lot out of the oldest quarterback to ever start in a Super Bowl, I think it was unfair. Yeah, and it's interesting because now a lot of people are giving, you know, people still give Bruce Arians all the credit in a world where the offense hasn't been the same. But, you know, they they had a lot of injuries the entire year, as we talked about, on the offensive front and everything. So it's a little bit unfair, like I said, to Brian. uh, Will our offensive coordinator shot? I just don't know who the team is going to be. Yeah, I, I hate that he turned down that Jacksonville job. For them, and then got fired a year later. That's um, that's kind of disappointing to see. Yep, and then also um, this one um, and then also Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator of the uh, Baltimore Ravens, also he resigned uh, today. Yeah. And a move that I'm not very surprised here. Uh, that might spell some trouble for the Ravens camp and sign and resign Lamar potentially. It very well could. It very well could. He's been his offensive coordinator the entire time. And, um, yeah, I don't know how much he's going to like that. I yeah, I know Ravens fans really as the offensive coordinator. Uh, but, eh, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough move in our opinion, especially with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, as we will get into the offseason, definitely the number one free agent um, in a lot of I don't know if me and you. Uh, he's going to be the talk of the golf season. Uh, it's going to be what team is going to pay for him. It's going to be anything, but he's definitely going to be uh, the number one point of the off season, of course. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm following it closely because there have been some talks of, you know, the Texans might not address the – this is the word down here that's kind of started up. The Texans might not address the quarterback in the draft. They might consider some sort of trade with Lamar. But is it worth giving up a ton of draft stock? I don't know. It's that's kind of a it's kind of a bold move. Interest interesting because that would probably involve the number two pick. And then that would probably you know, that would definitely take him out of Bryce Young if uh, Chicago doesn't draft him or trade that pick. Uh, unless if there's a quarterback that they just flat out don't like. And that very well could happen. Yeah, anything's possible. But we're going to talk about that, of course, when it uh, when it comes to the off, uh, free agency comes up uh, here in Mar- uh, um, in early March and everything, and of course with our draft uh, coming up uh, later on and everything. But we're uh, going to transition as me and you have. In my opinion, this is the best week. Everyone says, "Oh, wild card weekend," because we're sitting. Oh, no, that's not the case. That's not the best weekend. 
the best week in the entire year, in my opinion, for football is uh, for professional football is this weekend. It's not even a Super Bowl, in my opinion, because you have the four well, probably the highest quality games you're gonna find the entire. These are the four best games in the entire season to me because it's, you know, you get to see who's going to be playing for the NFC Championship game. Um, it does, it can involve some rivalries, but these are always very solid teams that play in games. Yeah, at this point, all the pretenders like Minnesota and uh, the Chargers have been eliminated, so automatically so gonna, better games. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So we're going to kick things off with the AFC uh, this game is going to be played in Kansas City um, with the Jacksonville, or with the Kansas City Chiefs, the, the top seed in the AFC. They're going to be hosting the red hot Jacksonville Jaguars, um, who have uh, won, won, what, I think five or six in a row, something like that, um, yeah. to, end their, to end their year. Um, the Chiefs are seeking their fifth straight AFC um, title game appearance um, if they win this game. The point spread is now nine. Um, is um, it is now nine points in this game. Fifty-two and a half is going to be under, under and a battle between um two of the brightest stars in the NFL with Trevor Lawrence and. Is this going to be a coming out party for the Jacksonville Jaguars, or is the old guard in the Chiefs going to remain firm as they continue their AFC dominance? Hmm. Are you asking me to pick? Not yet. Okay. 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 I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not really sure where I'm going with in that game, but I do know it's going to live up to last year's hype. So, so you we're looking at the top ranked offense for the Chiefs. Number one in passing. Number one in points. Number one overall. Um, they're also number two in third down percentage. Something to keep that in mind. This Jacksonville Jaguars defense, uh, that's 23rd overall, uh, 28th in passing yards, number 12 in the rush, actually, believe it or not, and number 12 overall in points. Their defense had, I think that's, everyone talks about their offense. It's been the defense in the last few weeks that has died, uh, has been playing very well, hopefully. I'm sure some of it hasn't been against the best offenses in the world, but they did just shut down that Chargers offense late in the set, in the set for the all second half, and they, you know, had a lot of bad field position last week. So this Chargers defense, I mean, this uh, Jaguars defense is better than people think. Yeah, it is. And like we mentioned earlier in the cast, the offense doesn't panic. They never get away from their game plan. They never really seem rattled. They never really seem like they're not confident in what they're going out there and doing. And, like I said, I, I can't really pick a winner right now. I, I'm not that scared of the Chiefs this year, if I'm being honest with you. I'm not that I'm scared not of the either. Bills anymore. I'm kind of, I'm kind of not that scared of the Bengals. Yeah, but I think I'm the Bengals either. have a ton of talent to go on a deep run. But I think the Jags could beat any one of these teams. I'm not gonna you know, go ahead. And, I'm not gonna start screaming upset alert. But for fans thinking, oh, this is just another bye week for the Chiefs. No, no, the, the Jags are legit. The Jags are definitely legit, and yep, to me, I'm not writing them off. Yeah, to me, the Jaguars are legit. I am still going to stick with the Chiefs to win this game, um, but I do think this is going to be a closer game than people think. You know what? Since you're going with the Chiefs, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to say the Jaguars are going to win. Chiefs 
to their competition the entire year. They haven't. Mm-hmm. They, they to me they're to me um to me they are a team that's definitely on upset alert because they have yet to really play a complete game all year. I'm still gonna pick them because of experience alone. Uh, but I I think this is gonna be a four. I think this is gonna be a four or a seven point game. I do not see this being a blowout. No, me neither. So then we go to the uh, NFC East divisional uh, rivalry game uh, right on I-95 here uh, is going to be the Giants uh, going down into dreaded Philadelphia at Lincoln Financial Field, um, the primetime game. I can't believe this game's at 8 or 8.30 Eastern time, which is just way too late. Um, anyway, Eagles are going to try to beat the Giants for the third time this year at home. Jalen Hurts is expected to play. Wayne Johnson is st- is – Questionable. He's likely to play apparently, but it's still not 100%. This is an Eagles offense that has spurred late down the stretch now with a Giants team that all of a sudden has scored uh, more than 30 points in our last few games here. Yeah, I'm, I'm like I said, it's really hard to beat someone three times in one year. And I think I'm going to be bold again. I don't trust the Eagles still. I think they're kind of a weird team. I think they've had plenty of moments where they play down to their competition. And, you know, Patrick, they didn't put up any points last week. But um, so I'm, I'm actually rolling on a five. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, just in case anyone didn't get that joke. Um, but I'm feeling pretty confident with the, with the Giants right now, and I'm going to pick them. Woo! Pick. Third rank Eagles rushing uh third rank Eagles off against the uh with a fifth rank rushing attack. Ninth overall. They're the third uh highest ranked team in the NFL going up against the twenty-sixth rank Giants defense, who is good in the air but not really on the ground. So it's gonna be interesting to see how they are. Eagles are seven and one um on uh seven and two at home this year. Giants are four and four on the road. Giants are eighteen uh the eighteenth rank um total offense of a fourth rank rushing attack. But if that's the Eagles who are uh, the best secondary in the league right now, um, they're just under 180 yards a game uh, in their secondary, which is very impressive. But their rushing uh, defense is a little suspect at the 16th in the league, uh, 121 yards um, allowed a game and everything. To me, this game is going to um, – I think I'm going to go um, – I, I, I want to pick the Giants as much as I can. Uh, I think the Giants, can the Giants win this game? Absolutely. The Eagles, have, the Eagles have beaten the Giants 16 of the last 20 times. And this has become a one-time mm-hmm. rivalry. I think there's too much talent now. I hate the Eagles with every blood, gut, tear, sweat out of my body. But I, do, I see the Eagles winning this game, but it's a one-score game. I, I can get down with that prediction, but I'm I'm to I'm me, with the Giants. I'm confident. To me, it's gonna be close until the to the fourth quarter. I think the Eagles' uh, dead touchdown or a late field goal to seal the deal, and that's going to be uh, and that's going to be it. To me, this is a tough matchup for um, the Giants. I think that I think the Giants have been better than San Francisco, believe it or not. They match up better against San Francisco than the Eagles. I do not like the Giants against the Eagles. Uh, to me, it's a time talk with the styles, at least in my opinion. We go to um, the re- to a rematch to a game that 
was never finished in the Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. This time, it's going to be in Buffalo, and we all hope that these teams will actually finish this game, of course, this time, of course. Um, with the battle of uh, two of the big stars at quarterback in the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow, and Bills. Bills are five and a half in this game. In, in both. Um, it's going to be four, over under is going to be 49 uh, and a half. Uh, it's going to be 49 and a half here in this game. You know, numbers are going to speak for themselves. Both of them are top 10 offenses. Um, both of them are uh, top 10, obviously, in passing. Biggest difference is the San Frank Bills rushing attack against the 29th ranked uh, Bengals rushing attack. The Bengals have not really run the ball well here. They don't really need to, of course. Um, and then uh, the and then both is our top fifteen in the NFL with the Bills having the edge, uh, Bengals having a little bit. Um, but the Bengals are the hotter team. Uh, both these teams are on very long win streaks. Uh, Bengals have won eight in a row versus the Bills versus the seven. When these two teams played Cincinnati before, uh, the Lamar Hamlin imagery, the Bengals looked like they were going to be controlling that game at least in the first quarter and everything. I see a pretty close game. Uh, things decided by a field goal or you know less than seven points, to be honest with you. And um, I think they're pretty evenly matched, and I think they both have some some pretty big holes. Like we both have mentioned, they played pretty sloppy last week. I don't think that's going to be the case. It's going to be based off you know which which team can make the fewest mistakes. And I would probably say the Bengals, but I'm just really feeling good about the Bills and what they were able to do and how they were able to close the game out. I I I have concerns on both of these teams right now and everything. Um, when you you asked me a few weeks ago, I was going to say Bengals, Bengals, Bengals all the way. To me, this seems up in the air. Obviously, if uh, I don't think Ronald Collins is going to play, I know the Bengals lost two more offensive linemen. If the Bengals had that offensive line, what they had against the Ravens, uh, if the Bengals had that offensive line, what they did with the Ravens in the second half of that game, I think the Bengals are going to get thrown out of the water here by the Bills. I sincerely do. But there's this mystique and aura to Joe Burrow. And to me, the, ba- the Bengals' defense matches up better. Uh, against the Bills than any other team in the league. Um, you know, at least on the AFC side that's left. Uh, th- to me, this is a perfect formula. Um, I think the Bengals are going to pull this out. I'm going to call it an upset on the road by three points. I think I think experience does matter. And I think me and you both said it. I think the Bills are going to actually turn the ball over. And I think that's what's going to decide the game. The Bills have yet to find a complete, have yet to play a complete game ever since Von Miller went down for, with an injury. Right. And I think because they have yet to play a complete game, yeah, they're on a seven-game win streak, but it hasn't been always easy. To me, the Cincinnati Bengals have been getting it done. They're a team that um, they are a Super Bowl, and Super Bowl losers usually do have a good year the next year in the last 20 years. They are right. going, they are they have been flipping that trend. And it looks like this team is hungrier now than ever, especially after starting off later this year. Give me the Bengals by three points in this game. Ooh. 
Bold Volar statement. Volar scored and people think too. This I think this game goes under. I'm gonna make a, a bolder prediction too. Alrighty. Finally, we wrap up with a ideal NFL matchup because these are this is a renewal of the '90s rivalry um, and some parts of the '80s as well with the Dallas Cowboys going into San Francisco to take on the San Francisco 49ers. Cowboys are going to be on a short week because a stupid Monday night um, playoff game, which is an absolute joke. 49ers have to get a mini buy in a way because they get a extra day and uh, they get a few extra days of rest over the Cowboys here. The 49ers are a four-point favorite. Um, 46 and a half is going to be the over-under in this game. Um, Cowboys and 49ers uh, face each other for the ninth time ever in the playoffs. This is tied for an NFL record. Um, um, really kind of even on, off, on both offenses here. You had the 13th ranked uh, Cowboys rush, uh, Cowboys overall attack, um, spearheaded by their ninth ranked rushing attack, 14th passing. The San Francisco 49ers, eighth overall offense, 13th passing, eighth rushing. Um, that's going to be the difference in a stain. Um, 49ers had the best defense at, at number one. Cowboys are 16th, but they had the eighth rest secondary. Uh, 49ers are the second best run defense in the league, averaging just 77 yards allowed a game, which is incredible. Um, and, of course, the number one point store offense. Cowboys have been 4-4 four four on the road this year, 8-1 and um, minus the playoffs, of course, 8-1 and one for the 49ers at home. 49ers, of course, have won 11 straight games. Wow. And Brock Purdy... And the 49ers get it done, or is it Dak Prescott and the upstart Cowboys that ride America's team and send Cowboy fandom into an absolute frenzy as they get to the conference championship game for the first time in since the since 1994, I believe. Yeah, that's that's pretty wild. It was their first playoff win in 30 years. That's pretty insane. Or the first, I'm sorry, okay. the first road playoff win. And um, I think it ends here. I think Brock Purdy pulls out another one. Yep, I, I, I do agree. I think the, I said before and I said this again, I think the 49ers are top to bottom, the best team in the NFL right now. Um, this, is a, this is an interesting matchup with Dallas. Um, to me, I just like that. Four, I think I don't like that Cowboys offense against this 49ers defense. No, I think neither. they faced a very soft team in Tampa Bay. Um, if this game was played in Dallas, I think this game is a, I think this game is a toss-up. I really do because the Cowboys are, have been very good on turf, no matter where they go this year. Right. When they are away from Dallas, they have struggled outside Tampa Bay, but Tampa Bay was a paper team the entire year. Now is a different task and a different amble with, of course, the 49ers. And I see this – I actually see this being a, a 13-point win for San Francisco. I don't think this – I think this game is going to be close at halftime. 49ers that done in the fourth quarter – in the second half. Yeah, kind of milk the clock and uh, walk away with it. I'm with you. I'm, I'm guessing a 14-point victory for them. 
I think it's a t- I think it's a tough I think it's a overall rough matchup uh for um I think I think it's a tough matchup for Dallas. I think this was the team that they did not want. I think this is of all the teams in the playoffs that they didn't want face off in the NFC side, this was the team that they don't want to face. I agree. I agree. Just a bad matchup overall. Perfect. Before we sign off here, final predictions for wild for divisional round weekend. Yeah, I am going to say my big upset is going to be the Giants over the Eagles. And my bold prediction for that is that Saquon Barkley has 150 rushing yards Ooh. and two touchdowns. I can see I can see that here. I am going to go with my bold prediction and say that Christian McCaffrey has over 150 all-purpose yards and three touchdowns against Dallas. Whew. And I think Joe Burrow and Josh Allen combined for more than four interceptions. For four, for four interceptions. Mm-hmm. I'm making. I'm. I'm going. I'm going opposite. This game was played in Cincinnati. I would say it's better. But that that game is in Buffalo. The weather is not supposed to be all that nice up here in the Northeast this weekend. So yeah. that's where I'm going. I'm going to make that change. But that is going to do it. Sloan here on the Fern East podcast to uh, follow us, of course, on um, on here on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We will be next. We will be here next week to recap, of course, what happened in the games and divisional round. Talk about any current or breaking news uh, that happened across the le- across the league, and of course, we're going to be we're going to be gearing up for conference championship weekend next week. So it's going to be a really exciting playoff. Oh, yeah, it definitely is going to be. Uh, but that is going to do it for us tonight here. Uh, this is Pat for Swell Moyle signing off. That'll be good. Thanks for having me. Thank you.